0: Welcome to Dr. Thoughts, a smart, driven, and fabulous podcast by
1: Drs. Ryan LaValle
0: and Kalia Johnson,
1: where sometimes it's about occupation
0: and sometimes it's just sassy. Everybody, and welcome back to Dr. Thoughts Podcast. It is everybody's favorite academic diva, Dr. Kalia Johnson, and I am here with everybody's favorite Tickle Buddy.
1: Tickle Buddy?
0: (laughs) Uh, You know, I said that and now I'm like, uh, I might need to roll that back. People know we have an intimate relationship but now they're going to think we have an intimate
1: Yeah, relationship. we don't. That's 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 cool. I mean, we're good friends. But I don't, I don't know if we're we're tickle buddy friends. That's
0: yes. <laughs> Well, I say tickle buddy because we enjoy laughing together, right? That's
1: tickled buddy. Oh, there you okay. go. T- tickled, tickled buddy friends.
0: Buddy. All right, I like that better. So There we y'all go. Know, y'all know who he is. Dr. Ryan Lavalle. But we are extra tickled today because we are joined with Dr. Karen McCarthy.
2: What's up, girl? Hello. I just need to be invited to these tickle parties. I'm picturing like (laughs) OS slumber parties and all consensual.
1: All the sensory equipment that's out there. Swings, you know. Oh, God, not the
0: swings. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, y'all. Dr. McCarthy is Associate Professor of Occupational Therapy um, at the School of Health and Natural Sciences at Dominican University of California. She is also Chair of the Psychiatric Occupational Therapy Association of California, a founding member of OTU, which is a collaboration for occupational therapy practitioners working with college students. She is chair of membership for the Society of the Study of Occupation USA. And if you haven't figured it out already, she's super funny. She is comedian extraordinaire. So super excited to have you on with us today.
2: How you feeling? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. it's like 8 30 in the morning we're gonna do comedy on zoom it's like a nightmare it's gonna be great i love you both
1: but also i mean karen is like my big sister in sso because she just makes fun of me all the time and really keeps me humble and (laughs) just (laughs) puts me in my place left and right
2: i didn't know i was old he said big sister i was like i'm taller than you but we're about the same height.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, I think we're about the same height, but uh, no, I mean, you can be one year older than me and still be my older sister. All
2: right, big sister. <laughs> I think I mean, you're
1: definitely more than one year older than me, but.
2: I have an identical twin who's the same, you know, that's an OS and OT as well. So you got two big sisters.
1: There so you that's go. Right. Yep. That's
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
0: Well, Karen, I, I, I think you you are already a fan of the podcast. So you know what's coming next. Naming Traditions. What are you everybody's
2: favorite? I think I'm everybody's favorite, Karen. And that's <laughs> that's a hard one to say, but of all the Karen's <laughs> out there, people tend to like this one. <laughs> I'm gonna co-sign only. that.
0: I'm gonna cosign that.
2: <laughs>
1: cosign for sure.
2: You, be <laughs> wanted the a only Karen. Karen. you wanted a Karen on this podcast. You're like, we got one. We got one on this <laughs> podcast.
1: We wanted to show people that. Karen's come in all different shapes and sizes and skin tones, even though you're blonde, white. Like...
2: It's all there. It's, it's all, <laughs> it's, I'm representing all of it. And I'm complaining to Seth right now. I'm writing him an email about this. Podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: Well, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about how you even got to comedy as part of your, your practice as an, an
2: OT, as an academic, as a researcher. Yeah. What
0: kind of a, to that?
2: <laughs> yeah, we've kind of had some parallel tracks between OT and comedy. They've been sort of my two loves like I would say they're both work but they're also both serious leisure and passions for me um, but I started at USC um, and that's when I joined the cult of occupation um, and um, and of USC <laughs> but I got out of that cult which is probably why I did research with cult survivors but um, backtracking I did meet some great gurus there that I love and, and introduced me to occupation like Jeannie Jackson and and I just became an occupation snob and then I was actually getting OT from my colleague Carlin. And Carlin coached me and said, What's something you've always wanted to do but never have? You know, one of those good OT powerful questions. I was like, oh, comedy, but I've I've always wanted to do stand-up, but I've never done it. And then she started coaching me, I'm like, what would it take to do it? I'm like, oh, I'm such a dork. I need a class, you know, like I want to take a nice class. And then I want to take the second level of the class. And so, I found a class like in Hollywood and I took that and like the second level of it, and you perform at the end. And so that really got me started in doing um, stand up, but I kind of needed that structure. And then I, um like a typical OT, I PEO'd myself, which also <laughs> sounds dirty, like the tickling. <laughs> and I, and when I PEO'd myself. I was like, person, you know, great, you know, but I was single and I wanted to like meet somebody. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with me like I'm great. Then I was like occupation. I was a dating coach. And I was like, I know how to date. I was like, there's nothing wrong with that. And then I was like environment. Oh, I'm living in LA. Men don't want a commitment. I got to go. So um, (laughs) I went to Ireland and that's where I started doing comedy and actually met my husband at a stand-up club there. And I was also teaching in the Department of Occupational Science and Occupational Therapy with Jeannie Jackson in Cork. So that was coming together. And then I decided to come back to California and work at Dominican um, and I'm doing a lot of stand-up now, mostly wineries, which is my other passion is wine tasting. Also really- Oh, hard that's to so
1: un-Karen of you. It's yeah. so
2: unc- <laughs> wineries is like our embassy. This is where the Karens go. And we talk about everything. We problem solve with Rosé. And um, so, yeah, that's where I'm kind of at now is just doing comedy every once in a while um, and uh, doing work every once in a while, that's it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I you did a that. wonderful comedy sketch at the SSO USA conference last year. Um I was wonderfully uh tickled.
2: <laughs> we got the MC, Ryan being the MC. We we're trying to shake yes. things up with the talent share. We're like
1: Yeah. But you you came for OS and OT pretty hard. It was it was wonderfully honest but also hilarious.
2: <laughs> well, I think you know, for me like satire has always been something that I've used and it's you know it, it's humor but it's also political that like when you're able to kind of poke at some of the flaws and the insecurities whether that's a profession or at yourself which is why you see so much self-deprecating humor from comics it's it's really it can be an opportunity for growth and transformation and sometimes people don't want to hear it directly but when they hear it in a joke or a story it like hits a truth and they're laughing, but they're also hurt and they're laughing and they're kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> so it's like sneaky criticism, yeah. Sneaky criticism, <laughs> That that is
0: a really good way to, to phrase that. It's like, let me tell you about yourself and make you laugh at the same
2: time. <laughs> I once wrote um, some comics with a student of mine and we published in OT Practice. And what's so interesting about those comics, it was in the May 2018 issue is that we were making fun of OT with these comics and I never got any complaints about it. And I actually thought, I don't think they got it. Like, (laughs) I don't think that they got that. I was just totally ripping on our profession for being like reductionistic or like, you know, working with just parts of the body and kind of biomechanical and losing track of occupation. Like, it was pretty snarky, but I was like, I got no complaints. And I was like, oh no, they just thought it was cute. You can get it. Perhaps, I feel like perhaps.
1: there's a there's a question there of um, how many people get the OT practice magazine in their mail and don't actually open it.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Ra- 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 raise his hand on Zoom that you all can't see. I yeah. get it all the time. And I'm kind of like, how do I opt out?
1: <laughs> you can. Uh, environmental friendly moment. You can opt out and only get the electronic version of OT practice. Um, okay, and then well. you can you know, get it in your email and look at it. And there are some, there are some good articles. Um, But I
2: thought you would at least go through and like what I do with the newspaper, right? You know, skip past all the political stuff and just go right to the comics, you know? I just, and they put the comics at the end and I was like, yeah, the comic, right? Now you're next to the horoscopes. Yeah,
0: (laughs) but also a a really cool and refreshing, innovative, innovative, if I can get it out, right? Way to really be in conversation with that discourse, right? What are we doing in the profession um, that actually you know, paints us in a light that is counter to a Karen um, mm-hmm. through the wonderful comedy of a Karen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, so we'll we'll have to go through the archives and and pull that one out um, and tell people to revisit
2: it. Um, it's so mostly making fun of hand therapists. Bottom up, bottom like top, bottom not tops and bottoms, but OTs work with <laughs> tops and bottoms.
1: Look at you bringing queer lingo into this podcast. <laughs> Just the appropriating to left map. and right. Yes.
0: Oh my goodness, y'all we we have been so inappropriate out of the gate, not even trying, <laughs> but here here we are. <laughs> #Hashtag professionalism. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: So oh Karen, what's like what's your content? Like what are you most often talking about when it comes to OT or OS in your in the in the discipline or the practice?
2: For for comedy wise, like what's mm-hmm.
1: my Yeah.
2: Yeah, I've, I mean I've only done the um two times we did stand up for the SSO conference. it's The only time I've done comedy about the profession. I think otherwise like not officially I'm just making fun in like class, you know. Like a, as a teacher, I'm like poking jokes at things or being sarcastic but like that wouldn't be us, would it? You know, or you know, just kind of spinning that. And it's easy to make jokes in the class because the bar the bar there is really low. You know, they're not they're not <laughs> even expecting you to be funny. And then you have a pun, and it's like amazing. You know, so that's that's not as harsh as like a you know an SSO crowd who's like, what is this? Are they is she going to talk about us? Is she calling us out right now? <laughs> She mentioned John White by name. Oh my God! What did she say? You know, like, <laughs> so. So her joke.
0: does her joke have citations?
2: My joke <laughs> does have citations. No citations. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to do like so? We have, you know, I have little bits. I have, yeah,
1: I have, give yeah. us a bit. Ooh, we love. Give bit. us a
2: sample. Come on okay. now. <laughs> Let's. You thinking. Let's talk about the relationship between OS and OT because that is a complicated one. All right. So I'm bringing to the stage, Karen McCarthy. Yes. No applause. Woo, okay, no applause. Woo. Oh my God, 8.30 in the morning. people. <laughs> I mean, OS and OT, we've got a history though. You know, we met in the 90s. It was really love at first sight. You know, OT still pretends that OS doesn't exist. You know, playing hard to get for 30 years. I get your routine. I know what you're doing. <laughs> But OT, you've got quite the past. You know, you were seeing a bunch of people back in the, back in the day before you met OS. You were you were sleeping with it. education, psychology, social work. But then when you met the medical model, girl, you were a hot mess. In the 40s and the 50s, you had a midlife crisis, you bought a sports car, you got bangs. You joined the cast of Married to Medicine. I mean, it was a mess. OS we tried to clean you up, you know. Remind you. What about love? The love of occupation. 1990s was a new era. OT swore, "I'm gonna be a new person. I'm gonna focus on occupation." But girl, you kept sliding back into those biomedical DMs. Be like, "Hey baby, you up? Because I need more than passive range of motion tonight." <laughs> That's our history. Rewrite the chapter, Willard's Backman. <laughs>
1: The people's history. The Karen's history of occupational therapy. <laughs> oh,
2: my
1: God. Oh, gosh. Paradox. I feel like, you know, there's a little bit of a theme of sex there.
2: <laughs> oh, am I, am I a sex comic now, Ryan? I think you might be. Who said something about sex? You might be. I know. I
1: it is said. an ADL, so uh, appropriate for an OT. <laughs>
2: Did I ever tell you my joke that my sex joke, I have the same sex joke that I tell all the time. Like every year when I talk about sexuality in class, I always have the same one, which is, it happened one time in class, my student, Emilio, who's actually um, part of SSO, he goes, wait, Karen, because in the sexuality class, it was just like so many things, you know, it was coming up for him. He goes, can OTs work with masturbation? And I was like, I thought that's what hand therapy was. (laughs) Oh favorite my god. Joke. What did the class do? Did they erupt? Yeah, it took a second. And then what and then I saw this is my favorite when one person's like and then the, the student leans over to them and then, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like having that old moment. I mean, it's interesting cuz that student now, you know, right out of OT school, they got a hand therapy job, starting salary $90,000 a year. I'm like, that's a $90,000 hand job. I'm in the wrong business. But you know, my friend, my other friend's in speech and language therapy, and he gets a hundred thousand a year. And I was like, but to be fair, he specializes in swallowing. So
0: uh what are we gonna do you
2: UK? Look, what if you're teaching a like right? They're good.
1: They're really good. They're
2: really yeah. Good. Do you know why they're good? Well, I mean, you always get like one rent. I actually I've gotten this comment a few years in a row, which I appreciate you're approachable and intimidating you get both and I think that's a good balance it's like I'm your friend I'm like very approach I'm exactly who I am I'm very myself and then it's intimidating because I also have like a lot of passion about occupation I'll call you out on it like I'll challenge things like critical thinking in the classroom so I'm not just fun and do you
1: feel like the students really respond to the humor in that way like where they see it as like you're almost like playing with them, which I know is also one of your research interests. Um, you know, is that like, is, do they feel that? Do they get that that's what you're trying to do with it?
2: Well, sometimes I actually have to tell the students what I'm doing. Um, I did get one of Alex that said I used um, like too much profanity in the classroom. And I actually had to talk to students about how I use language because I'm trying to um, kind of dismantle some of those power structures in the classroom that I'm doing it on purpose. So, like, I'm trying to think of, like, kind of therapeutic use of self, but, like, how how am I meeting my students as authentically as I can so that Karen in the classroom and outside of the classroom is almost the same exact thing? You know, I'm not grading you outside of the classroom, but in my mind, I am. I'm judging you. On that. <laughs> but, but there should, I just feel like this professionalism construct, like, I'm really trying to challenge because everybody in my class, like, I could see that we could be, that we're friends, that we're also colleagues you know, and not just future colleagues, like I'm learning from them and they're learning from me and I don't have all the answers. So I really try and like bring as much of my personality to the class as possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that very much and like challenging professionalism and what we understand professionalism to be specifically um, and really Having that conversation with your students, so hopefully they were able to receive the type of inclusive environment that you're really trying to um, create um, for for them. Um, and I think that also speaks to the the OT practice article, right? Thinking about professionalism, but also what do we what do we count as what scholarship, like what science, and and really approaching the the content, the knowledge base in a very very different way. So. Keep pushing the boundaries, Karen. <laughs> y'all, you look. Y'all are good for that. Clear,
1: <laughs> I like it when Kalia tries to be a comedian. Yep. Yep.
2: <laughs> wow, that was that was some good heckling right there. That was like <laughs> academic heckling. Like, isn't that a nice thought? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a different way of thinking about it. <laughs>
1: I really appreciated the presentation that you just offered, but here's my paragraph of thoughts that oh, I think you should really consider.
0: The worst. Yeah. Um, so what, what's the male version of Karen then? Because honestly, Ryan, hearing you say that, everybody who I thought about was actually a male scholar.
1: Oh, interesting. <laughs> what is that? Is it like a chat or something?
2: Chad. A chat or a break. Yeah. Karen's usually married to a Chad like they're influencing mm. each other yeah
1: it's a it's a negative positive feedback loop. Sound, sound,
2: yes. sounds about white yes
1: yeah did you say it sounds about white yeah
2: yeah there's a pink polo there's a rifle you're on your porch and you're mad at people walking by yeah yeah not a cheap polo and a rifle like the chad and the karen they were out in front of their house when like protesters were walking by
1: oh i do remember the story yeah like
2: he was rocking that polo i was like what's going on with polos like you yeah. can't wear a polo anymore khaki, i feel like it does
1: daughter. depend whether the um whether the collar is popped or not though because if it's a popped collar then it's very clay aiken and that does not give me chad um <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> If it's not popped and it's pink, then it's just like, you know, definitely bro. Um.
2: <laughs> but it's like a half pop, you know, it's just like a, or a well, double. That, that
1: just means that you're rolling out of bed after a long night.
2: <laughs> I think it pops when they get angry. Like it's, that's how you know the chat is upset. It's like in the wild, it like pops up.
1: Or like, like one of those lizards. That-
2: yeah. Yeah. Like, oh no, this Chad isn't angry. Let's just agree with him. All lives do matter, Chad. We agree. <laughs> people are people are people. I don't see it either. I don't even
1: What is skin?
2: What is I don't really think oh. I think your polo is gray. I don't see color. I don't know.
1: <laughs> to to all of the Chads and Karen's out there in the OT world who are oh. wonderful advocates and true anti-racist people. Uh, just know that we know you we care for you <laughs> and that we're, um...
2: we're all kids this is what I love about the Karen thing when people are actually think I'm offended I'm like I am a Karen like this I am not beyond saying that I have not embodied all of those traits like I mean I think we really need to like accept it and not say it's just these other people of course mm-hmm. we have these funny examples but like at any moment it would be so easy for me to slip back into like some of those habits like the world is built for me to be a Karen. You know, it's (laughs) the pathway is there and it's rewarded. The minute I go into it, I know how to yield power. I know exactly, you know, what I'm bringing to a room. And and if I wanted to use that, I couldn't, it's really like checking yourself more. So that's real.
1: (laughs) That's real. That's deep. That's deep theoretical analysis right there.
0: well bad. i
2: think we should be using karen's for good so all of the skills that a karen has but we should be complaining to the manager of systemic racism
1: <laughs> who is that who is that manager
2: who do we call up do you want me to name out the institutions in our profession
1: uh, no no oh! no let's not do that
2: oops, oops. <laughs> maybe we should be calling the cops more on the lack of noise in OS and OT.
1: Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Now we're preaching. This isn't yeah. comedy anymore. This is church.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think here's here's my statement. I'm gonna make this statement. I'm the first one to say it. Well, actually, I'm not the first one to say it. People have said OT is racist in many ways, including you all, which is great. But I'm gonna take it another step. <laughs> I think OT is a Karen.
0: Oh. Okay. And I.
2: Yeah. And I'll tell you why. We break it down. Karen's back on the stage. Breaking it down. First. There's a look. We all know the look. You you all were just at AOTA. You got your white, cisgendered, straight, middle-aged woman, you know, saying they're slightly leaning in liberal ways, highly educated. Yeah, Karen. And I see you at AOTA. I see the haircut. I see the rock ports. It's happening. So it's the look. Then there's the attitude. You know, I'm not, I'm racist. I'm not, that's not me. I'm a good person. I do stuff for DEI, you know? We got a COTAD chapter in my university. I had a white fragility book club. You know, that's not me, you know? (laughs) Then there's the misplaced advocacy, you know, like OT month. I'm advocating for the profession of OT. Nothing about who's in the profession of OT. (laughs) And not, not the occupational apartheid that's happening because of marginalized groups and trying to enhance occupation, but no, the OTs, we're the ones who aren't getting enough. These OT group, you know? And then there's a the tokenism. Uh, OT, we're fine now. We've got a lot of Black people in OT. I know an OT who's Black. I have a friend in OT. Kalia, This she's a friend. You know, Ella Wani. She's kind of a keynote. You know? It's fine, you know? <laughs> you know, so I think it's time that we start using our Karen skills to make some actual change. That be- I
1: appreciate that. I think, you know, it's, I feel like there's an article brewing uh, for Aja that is OT through the eyes of Karen. <laughs> you know, and and that could be like a double entendre of like you writing it, <laughs> but also talking about all the things that you just talked about. And if we could write an Aja article that actually was like based in comedy, that was yes. also really well cited and researched.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> and that would be... I would love that so much. (laughs)
2: That's maybe what it needs because people, and I understand like, you know, people also have resistance to say, everybody's too angry, you know? I don't want to hear it. Everybody's so angry, Need solution. And that's just another way of kind of getting people to stop talking about it. But maybe the back way to say like to get in again is the secret criticism is like doing some satire or some comedy or something that we're like a metaphor that we're like comparing ourselves to because that sometimes sticks in our head about like, Oh, I don't want a profession to be like a Karen, you know. Like, mm. and then if you start seeing it, like maybe you're at a conference or you're at work and you start seeing the profession acting in a way, not just like a person. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm. let's
1: do a a Karen symbol or something.
0: Oh, <laughs> a
2: gang! It's a gang sign. Oh, Karen symbol. <laughs> you will not bring them up. <laughs> It's a symbol of, um, wine and uh banana Republic, maybe a Talbot's, um, <laughs> Skechers logo. I don't know.
0: What's... I mean, you called out Rockport. I was. You're the yeah. one who said Rockport. I asked you, yeah. like,
2: what's the attire AOTA? Sketchers <laughs> or Crocs? And you're like, Rockport's. Rockport. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be comfortable. You know, you got to be ready to run when the conversation gets tough. <laughs>
0: Well, next year I'm sure there'll be some Birkenstocks because it'll be in Florida. Toes out, white nail oh, polish. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> white nail polish. That's How about
2: awesome. we just dress it like up? Like I was because we were my sister and I won conference the SSO conference in Scottsdale. We dressed like SSO people, but they didn't know that we did. We went out specifically well, shopping for it.
1: That's the thing is like so when I was in college, uh, when I was an undergrad, I wrote I was like a. An op-ed writer for our college newspaper, Um, and I wrote this whole satire um, article that was essentially based off of um, what is that? Not a simple proposal, Um, but um, the 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 very famous satire where he essentially says we should just eat babies. Um, But what's his name? John Smith or something? Something um, like that. Yeah. yeah, it's like a simple, it's a simple proposal or something like that. Well, I'll, I'll remember it later, but essentially it was like this, it, I think it was in Ireland during the famine or something. And it was like, he was trying to say like, we cannot take these horrible actions or whatever. So I wrote like this, um, satire about our, our core curriculum, which was like theology, philosophy, all of like the morals and ethics. And because so many people hated, the the core curriculum and they just wanted to get their degree um, and so I wrote this whole satire about how we don't need ethics we don't need philosophy it doesn't impact me as an occupational therapy student like I don't need it and I got called into the director of my OT program's office and was like I I don't know where you got these ideas but we need to talk about it. And I was like this is satire nice <laughs> like and so I think that's what there. you, you <laughs> have to be careful and she was wonderful and like totally got it after we had a conversation we're still good friends um but she it was like there were multiple people who like emailed me and they're like we don't agree with what you're saying I was like good I was being a dumbass (laughs) um and I didn't I I guess I, I either didn't pull it off well enough that it was like satire enough Or it was satire was so close to reality that we couldn't tell the difference, which I think is actually called Poe's Law um, of satire. So,
2: Wow, there's some knowledge about satire here.
1: Yeah, I had to do this whole deep dive because I was like, why aren't people getting this, that this is satire?
2: Well, one of the things with comedy that's tricky is that if you want to go darker or like kind of more scandalous with your comedy is people have to know you and trust you first. So they have to know what you're about and then know that when you're making that joke, that you actually don't believe it. So I'm wondering if people who know you got it and people that didn't went, uh Oh
1: yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. I I always think back to that though. Whenever anyone says like, let's use satire. I'm like, you better make it real satire. (laughs) And it's so
2: fun to put the asterisk at the end that says, I do not embody any of these beliefs. It's called satire. Look at it. Right, up, exactly.
1: Know? Well, one of my friends at the time was like, you should have just ended it with, and when then we should all eat babies. And that would have like given the cue and the sort of acknowledgement to this other work that it was sort of based off of. Um, but I didn't, and so it goes. I still have that newspaper though, in in my little archive of
0: so so Karen, how, how do you so we've given some nod to how humor and satire shows up in the classroom, but you have actually mentored students and using it as a method in
2: research. Can
0: you talk a little bit
2: about that? Well, I'm just, I'm currently uh, mentoring a student who's doing his OTD. So um, Johnny Rios Navarro, I just want to give him a shout out. He's at Sammy Merritt University and, and he's looking at how to use humor and how humor is being used in occupational therapy. And for me, Um, there's been a a lot of publications about it, but I feel like it's really shifted. Like there hasn't been a lot for a long time. I know Anne McRae um, had written some about the use of humor and it's, it's tied to therapeutic use of self. But um, for me, it's been a really powerful way to like talk with clients and relate to them, but also like move people from like stuck points, you know, like kind of like transition through things um, and using humor. Um, and also the way that humor is incorporated in our occupations, like think about ways that we play, like a lot of hu- like play can be linguistic play with like puns and and, and plays on words and sarcasm and things. So um, I think those are important ways to think about how how our clients play as well. Yeah.
1: And what is the capstone sort of expl- is it like? Is it a study or what, how does it, what is it doing?
2: Yeah, he's going to be looking at interviewing OTs about how they use humor. And mm, so, okay. and I think it's, I think, you know, there are limitations to that because humor is not a one-way path. It's like an interaction, you know, we're not going to get a transactionalism, do we? Sit down. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> it's, in between. it's a transactional. They're
1: co-constitutive. Code.
2: Yes. <laughs> We just ruined the joke if we did a side <laughs> Dewey at all two thousand six. I was uh, like, Dewey at all two thousand six.
1: Dicky at all, just to be a true academician. Oh
2: my god, I said Dewey. Forget Dewey. That that would be um like a prop comedy. He's more experiential, you know. Like he would be like the prop carrot top comedian. He'd be like comedy by doing. Like look what I got here, and then Dicky would be like. Comedy is between me and the audience she would like me moving into the audience you know she'd be
1: using a quilt metaphor yeah.
2: <laughs> she'd be stitching up there you know be like, yes square one
1: we <laughs> would be in stitches
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, um, one for ryan
1: <laughs>
2: oh, i
0: see um, the pattern
2: of this conversation uh, <laughs> oh karen <laughs>
0: Oh man, but you, so you're mentoring a student, but this, this also shows up in your own research, right? Um, specifically understanding play and how is, how adult play specifically, um, is, is explored from an occupational science perspective. Yes.
2: I'm studying adult play, which, um, for my PhD in occupational science, which if you're going to start a literature review, try not to put adult play into Google search. Ooh. I <laughs> would <laughs> do, do. But then move on to the databases. Is that you okay? things. <laughs> so, but yes, I, I, I'm actually part of the P for Play um, collective. I'm, I'm collaborating with them and that's a um, European grant um, that is looking at um, play for, for children. And there's eight PhD and OS scholars um, across Europe. You might've met some of them. And I'm kind of the tag along and like probably the troublemaker where I'm like, what about adults? What about us? Like, I think I think we're playing too. I don't think it just ends. Like, mm-hmm. how is that? How is an occupation, like the most important occupation of childhood is play and then it just, just goes away.
1: Mm, capitalism.
2: Yeah. There's a lot <laughs> about what, what pushes play out, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adult responsibilities, capitalism, stigma, embarrassment. So a lot of what I've been reading about is like embarrassment of play and how, how we... Disguised play so Irvin Goffman and um has actually written some about this as well it's like how we like create excuses for play that are like society recognizes like I'm not I'm running in a speedo for this Santa marathon because I like doing that it's for charity you
1: know mm. <laughs> oh that's that's a funny example we had a we had a nearly naked mile at my university for charity yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Right. So it's like, yeah. like adding a little bit of those alibis is what they call it of like, I'm not just playing because I'm immature or, you know, so I, I think play, I think there's a renaissance of play happening. And, and of course, there's all the different, you know, groups, people, some people have more barriers to play, um, and more stigmas and stuff, depending on culture, access to play finances. um, But
1: Yeah, I think think there's like a reclamation and liberation in that. Um, And I I think like when you were talking about adult play and Googling that, um, you know, I was thinking about in at least in the queer community, particularly like in poly groups or in people who are a bit more open in their sexual relationships. They, that's often the language that they use when they're not like looking to date, but they're looking to have sexual experiences with other people. They say, do you want to play? Or if you're talking to a couple, they might say like, do, like, yes, we play together with other people, you know, or something that that's like very much the language that they use. And, mm. and I think that there is, a, it's a pushback on those sort of rigid social norms of engagement and like liberation and pleasure and like, feeling things that feel good that are really rooted in this, like, Victorian, like, don't show your ankles sort of mentality.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what play can be is actually quite resistive to some of those things of, like, what should you do? And play is, like, a liminal space where you get to to kind of reinvent things, try things out, like, low stakes. Oh, well, we were just playing, you know? Like, it's just, like, a way to, like, experiment with different roles and costumes and things but there's also with play you know especially when i have looked up like things about BDSM and and like group sex and, and play it's like there are some rules you know and and with many games that we play there are rules and there's the point where you, you want to break the rules and that might make it more fun but then when it becomes unsafe or not consensual then it's like play ends and that can be with, mm-hmm. with many types of games including like sexual games as well yeah wow so
1: you are in what year <laughs> of your phd program
2: i'm in Two. I'm doing it part time. Um, So I've just um, kind of been reading a lot about play. I've been experiencing play, which has been my, my task all along is to make sure I do adult play like every week and I like journal about it.
1: And what have you been doing?
2: Oh my God, this last weekend, this is means everything (laughs) to me. I I went to an air guitar championship and I was wondering, (laughs) is it going to be play? Because I'm a viewer, I'm not participating, but But then I realized it was because I got dressed up, I got my mullet on and my guitar shirt and everything. And then I was yelling at everybody. Like all of a sudden I was just yelling at the judges that like, they don't know about airness, which is a quality of airness, which is how you judge the air guitar. And then we were (laughs) rocking out and like meeting people. And it was just like a group of adults in this room and there's no guitar. We are literally gathered around nothing celebrating it as, like, an art for it. I just thought it was this great, like, everything's a social construct anyways. Like, what is a guitar, you know? And we're just, and we got into it.
0: I, okay, so I know our, our listeners can't see that my jaw is on the ground.
2: First of all, how do you even find an Air Guitar Championship? I'm like, what? Well, it's hard because good, air guitars are invisible, right? So you have to find them with your soul, you know? you got to reach. <laughs> Do you know what air guitar is about? It's about world peace, everybody. I stop your laughing. This is serious. Because if you're holding an air guitar, you can't hold a gun. And this is what we need to do. We need to get around these playing together around nothing. Three <laughs> birds. That's what I'm saying. Oh my let god, me, if you can't hold an
0: air guitar, you can't back. hold a gun. It's impossible, right? That's a t-shirt. That's a t-shirt. <laughs>
2: Make air, not war. It's an international competition, <laughs> and it's international. Okay, it's a, there's a world championships in Ulu, Finland. It's a pilgrimage I need to make. But this is what's happening: is that people think adults don't play, and you find these pockets of people. And I'm not saying play can't be serious too. They're serious about it, and it's fun. Like there's no way that's not suspending reality, and for the process of it, and being spontaneous and whimsical, and you know, and creative, and and I think it's different than leisure, you know? So, uh-huh. yeah.
1: But. And what what's the difference?
2: I actually think there's a lot of differences, but also I guess my, my biggest complaint, maybe since I've gotten into it more, is that maybe we should let go of some of the categories altogether, even though I just said it's different than leisure because these categories are making us get stuck on the words like, wait, that's work, that's play, mm-hmm. that's leisure. Mm-hmm. And then you'll meet somebody who's like, it's all of them. You know, mm-hmm. like it's more about the experience of the occupation than the category we're assigning it. And that you know that's my beef with like an OTPF anyways or something is that you got a list of occupations. But then when you ask somebody what they're experiencing, somebody's air guitar is work. somebody's air guitar is play, and somebody's miserable at air guitar because they went with their partner, and there's like, there's not even real music. You told me there was going to be a band. <laughs> what do you two do for play what's your play
1: oh god that's a horrible question to ask us
2: (laughs) yeah
0: i'm like uh you uh, you see i'm shaking my head like i I play with nova i guess is that is that considered play like engaging in pretend play with my toddler um I, i don't know that i engage in any adult play um, or I guess any adult play that is not in some way aligned to sex, I guess. But yeah, I need to find...
2: Well, that's how you got Nova.
0: If, apparently. <laughs> is that how that works,
2: y'all? Alleg- Alleg- Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, it happened. But, yeah, and some people it's like, is yeah. it play if you're playing with children? And it's more about your experience, because maybe sometimes you are being very playful and you're getting into it. And other times you're like, I- it's just for them, you know, and it's not if you could do it just for yourself, like, what would that, that look like? And and I think it's hard for us to make time for play. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I mean, I
0: think I, I did irritate her yesterday. Cause we, you know, we we're playing with food and I'm pretending to make soup and then I got very serious about the ingredients. and wouldn't let her just put her raspberries and oranges and lemons, but also like an eggplant in there. I'm like, no, that doesn't go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Like, you gotta work on your
1: uh, yes, no. and there, yeah. yes and there,
2: yes. You know, that's an improv that, strategy.
0: That, that yeah. it up and is like no. Then I'm just like okay, well then I'm not going to eat at your restaurant. So
2: yeah. and that's when play ended. yes <laughs> Somebody got two into the rules and it stopped.
1: That's funny.
0: Yeah, I was worried I about think... how you know our pretend soup was going to taste. You know.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting like, thing to talk about, though, like parents playing with children, because we're so often like having a second uh, ulterior motive to the play where we're like trying to teach them a developmental skill or like trying to move them into understanding the world better and um sometimes like i i had my nephew once sort of just like get tired of me playing with him because it was like it it ended up like challenging him too much and it wasn't play anymore because i was just like trying to teach him too much (laughs) you know i thought it was fun i was like creating fun things and it was just like no, no no this is too hard like even though it's fun or imaginative or like creative and critical thinking it was just like it was clearly with a different purpose than just like pleasure and enjoying it um so it's it's interesting to think about how, and uh, Ruth Humphrey always used to say this, we have to let kids be kids. Um, You know, kids are not adults in adults in preparation. They're, they're kids. So let them play and be as children as they are. Um,
2: And that's a big movement. And like for the P for play group that, that I'm part of is like play for play's sake, you know, that thinking about, and especially in OT, like it's play for something. Like it's the intention is like social skills or motor skills or development, but it's like, But play itself is the occupation. And so if you're really like occupation centered and focused, it's like what we're just doing. We're doing the play right now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think I play. I well, I love my work and I do find a lot of like playing happening when I'm like out in community like thinking through ideas or even working with like doc students and like playing with the theories and like, you know, or teaching in general, just like being able to like be a little bit performative or like walk in, in heels or something, you know? And so playing in that regard, um, I think is is a place that I play, um, I would say in recent years, I haven't played as much, but I also have a friend group who loves structured play. Um, and like I have a friend who every year used to do a talent show for her birthday. And we would all like come up with ridiculous acts. Like, we had one year where a guy peeled an apple as his talent, you know? <laughs> like, and I actually, that's where I got my start hosting things because I hosted. And the first year I did it, I was like really uncomfortable. And I was like, you know, why don't I just slowly put on like heels and like feminine clothes as sort of a, a running joke. And it slowly changed how I engaged and it was like so much more fun. So then that became the thing every year was like I would slowly transform over the show as the host into something. Um, but that same group of friends just had a recent we had a, a party where uh, it was sort of a going away party, but it was a taskmaster party um where we just had these different games that all these different groups were playing and you're just like having a good time and um and that sort of thing so I also do think that I could really get into Dungeons and Dragons like oh yeah (laughs) I could solidly get into that and I actually am a little bit hesitant to because I feel like I would get lost
2: (laughs) they would get you for sure yeah oh
1: no no I would get I would get so into it that I wouldn't do my work
2: (laughs) But then you have what's, you know, capitalism, right? It's telling you, you can't be doing that. But like people make a living, you know, playing video games and, and, Mm. and things and designing board games and things like that. So, yeah, that's, I, I also really like, um, live action role play LARPing.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's kind of
2: like the live DD. So like you're in, you know, costume playing roles and we have foam swords in the park. And I'm just like, I was way out of my comfort zone. I was like, first of all, like didn't fit in at all. Like super preppy. <laughs> I was like wearing yoga pants and they're like monks and knights and everything. I'm like, I need to get an outfit. And, <laughs> but it's, that's what I was like, you can, this is a whole society. Like this is a okay. world you can live in where you're speaking a different language. Nobody's asking you about your day-to-day life. That's enough. Some of these really in depth ones, they don't ask you what you do, how you are, and they just call you by your other name, and you're just in that world.
1: Yeah. Mm. In
2: in the moment, present. Mm-hmm. I
1: I feel like we need to organize some sort of LARPing at an OT conference or an OS conference. Yeah. Just like where we all have a clear outfit or like like Star Trek uniforms or something, where we're all visiting from a different planet, and just you find. Us we all be types of OTs,
2: character. maybe
1: oh that could be Ooh. that could be fun yeah mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> or be just people who are like OT. what is this
1: ot thing
2: <laughs> i want to be a pizzo ot because then i have more props like i could just come in with like therapy balls or like therapy putty like throw them at people or something yeah
0: <laughs> balls of play-doh but don't aim for eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> or maybe you do i don't know just kidding <laughs> Oh man! So I know we we sort of transitioned to talking about your your scholarship a little bit, but what I didn't hear is how you situate comedy in your study of play, or or don't you like how 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 are you sort of combining your your loves
2: here? I'm not, and I actually don't. Sometimes I I was reflecting a lot on when I do comedy sometimes it feels like play but it's also one of the only things I do that makes me really nervous and I actually think I do it on purpose because I don't experience a lot of challenge and like fear in my life like I'm very comfortable now with what I do and it's Mm -hmm. one of those things like like even my husband hates like going to gigs with me like right before I will just like not talk in the car like don't talk to me like I'm in my head and then afterwards I'm like ready to party but like it's to me, it's like a kind of miserable at the same time. So maybe that's (laughs) some things we do are like, we love them and we hate them at the same time. Love
1: it. is pleasure. Yeah. No, I remember we were in the hotel room before the SSO talent share um, and you were sort of practicing your, and I was like, I have never, I said this to your sister. I was like, I have never seen her this intense and nervous. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Like, oh my like, God, is she going to be all right? What happened to Karen?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, cause you are usually sort of like jokey and like free flowing. And it was like, no, I need to practice this and I need to get it right. Like, you know, and you weren't mean about it, but it was definitely like and get out of the um, room,
2: Ryan. Nobody, nobody No, you
1: wanna I think you were okay with me being in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess it brings me to a question because you you are you use humor a lot. Um, and so where where in your life or where in like, you know, if you were to give advice, like where do you not use humor? Where is humor in play like not a good place to mm-hmm. to start when it comes to um doing the work you know or engaging with people
2: yeah I think what one, one of the things you do as a comedian I mean I guess you're on stage so you know everybody's there for it but you also like you try things out you test a crowd like even in a meeting we'd all be in I might start like you know when we were first in SSO meetings together I might start with like a cheeky comment or something in the chat and then I was like oh okay that works let me let me go again. So like you're 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 testing out things. And so I think if you could start really safe and just test and see if people respond to it, then you can keep going. But it has to be reciprocated. So I mm. feel like that's where if you make it all about yourself and you're just coming in with I have the best joke and I'm going to like put this on you without knowing if it's your, then it becomes all about you. And that could be harmful to people. It's like, you listen to me and think I'm funny. Yeah.
1: Mm. That's so helpful to think. I mean, (laughs) it's transactional, Um, but just like (laughs) that relationship, it is like a joke is not like me handing this thing to you and then you deciding whether you like it or not. It is an interaction. It's something that is like co-created via reaction to you when you're telling it even um, which then it's like you see that moment a comedian starts feeding off of like the laugh and the crowd and it's like, it almost is I don't know if it's like serotonin or something that's going into the brain. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's I th- I don't think I've ever really thought of, I actually watch a lot of stand up comedy on Instagram. Um, because I always dream that I wish I could be that funny. But I think you also forget how much these people like practice and y'all are like, doing the same content over and over again um but it's like it's rehearsed well enough to where it doesn't seem like you are um Mm -hmm. and so I always I'm like these people are just so funny like randomly (laughs) it's like not at all
2: (laughs) a lot of it is planned and I think that's why I was nervous at the SSO one is that I hadn't done it because that's you're only going to do it for that crowd like it was specifically (laughs) written for them but otherwise you can always you know Seinfeld always talks about like don't go on stage naked which is like always have a joke that you know to like start and end with because you feel safe and then you could play in the middle a bit or you know but like to have a whole new set and some comedians say like I'll do a whole new set it's like that's like a real that's a real risk and a and a challenge but there's a lot more writing so if you and I think you'd be really good at it Ryan because you're a great writer and you also like and and it's thinking about things in a different perspective like twisting it like seeing mm-hmm. it from the opposite. Perspective, or what if this wasn't true, or what if everybody did this, and that's the that's the twist. The punchline is kind of the, mm-hmm. the different
1: situation. I do think I I may mm-hmm. have made some people angry at SSO when I started with my occupational introduction because <laughs> I pretty much put occupational in front of every single word that I said in the introduction to wow. the talent share. Um, and I think it was funny for like the first two sentences, and then everyone was like, Okay, you're just really grinding into us right now. <laughs> and I and was then like, I did oh. jokes
2: about different occupational whatever yeah. <laughs> <eat>. We <laughs> so
1: caused learning, our own Learning occupational how to how to end the comedy is also a talent. <laughs>
2: you've got to have a closer well there's a structure you know like if you actually analyze it just like structures to poems or songs there's there's kind of like a chorus and a structure to things and and you and sometimes breaking that is the funny part that like somebody didn't realize that you just you turned it on its head a bit but mm-hmm. it's easy to play by the structure a little bit more people feel familiar with it yeah yeah I don't know I'm kind of feeling there's a
0: as scholarship sort of presentation in your future at an SSO.
1: And everyone will just show me like so do we just get to hear you do a comedy sketch for 15 <laughs> minutes?
2: And then it's just like a workshop where I'm like you're workshopping my bits. Like I need yeah. I need help with this one and then I get out of it I'm like thanks everybody. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Joke's on you. Joke's
2: on you. Okay, we're all workshopping. OTs a Karen. Okay, you take how they look. You're going to take how they act. You got white tears. Who's in the back? You got to get <laughs> on that. Oh, my goodness.
1: Not white tears.
2: <laughs> Stop your crying. That's the, that's the topic. Get get back to the writing.
0: <laughs> oh, so what, what has been the biggest lesson you have learned since taking up comedy oh
2: my gosh when is the biggest lesson um actually this this might sound the opposite of what you think but um everybody's rooting for you uh, in most of the time and like you think it's going to be hard like people are going to hate something they're just wanting you to do well like the majority you'll get one person who maybe does it and nobody likes that person it's people are there to support you they believe they want to hear your perspective Like, I don't really, when I go up and I talk about political things or bigger issues, I try and bring myself into it. So it's like, people are actually interested in what's true, like for you, and they want to hear what you think about it. And they don't have to agree or disagree. So I think that's like being yourself, you know, and and authentic to what you feel, but also like recognizing that people in general are rooting for you and, and are so horrified to think that they would never do the same thing. Like, how did she even get up there? Like, like it's some, like I'm some kind of saint. And I'm like, I'm I'm getting paid, people. Like this isn't like, this <laughs> like a charity gig. It's like, oh, what you do? That's so hard. And you're like, it's 15 minutes. I know, but yeah, and I got paid, usually in cases of wine. So that's <laughs>
0: <laughs> from the from from the Karen Embassy.
2: The Karen Embassy no. <laughs> is great. Right. Yes. Thanks and Carly, they're my stand-up gurus. They organize all my gigs at wine. These are nice wineries. And they don't know what to do with me there because I am a bit, put, I'm poking fun at the wine tasting crowd. And then they're kind of like, she one of us? Is she not one of us? She knows the <laughs> wine terms. Yeah. <laughs> She's also making fun of us.
1: I feel like uh, NFTs are like uh, to crypto bros as wine cases are to Karens. It's <laughs> <This is> like, <laughs> this is your currency. This is what you trade in. This is what you get excited about. And, but it doesn't really have any value. <laughs>
2: I'm I'm very offended. By oh. <laughs> I mean, to say that wine is no value. I mean, the history. We could get into what wine tasting is. I mean.
1: Yes, the notes of privilege and oh. power.
2: <laughs> oh, and It's true. Because wine tastes is one of my favorite hobbies. And once in a while, my sister and I are like, I think we're going to have to stop if we think too critically about this one. Like, let's not. Because they're like, <laughs> and then this land, you know, Don, Julio, whatever. Um, found this land you're like found it oh okay and then just went Cabernet it. okay sure
1: <laughs> that, that's exactly what happened yeah. I'm sure
2: <laughs> that was a great expedition he had and I'm glad it was available to him that's so okay. nice I'm sure you're paying them back in nice fine wines oh you're not okay all right never mind.
0: <laughs> well Karen where where can people hear you and, and go see you perform on this
2: podcast they're hearing me right now Yes. <laughs> so just, just rewind it listen to it again so the viewership goes up <laughs> um, yeah so i'm in the the laugh cellar so it be at laugh cellars in sonoma county and i just kind of do um comedy around here sometimes out in palm springs they'll fly me out or something so that's nice um oh. but i keep it pretty local to sonoma county and um other than that uh just hear me in my own lecture you want to become an ot student we're recruiting you can
1: (laughs) do you have any social media for your like comedian role no no
2: no elder millennial here i'm just because i can't i can't have a whole nother career like if this if it was ever to take off like ot is really my passion and and, Mm -hmm. uh, an os and i'm doing my phd like this is a nice like side gig for me but like i can't i can't pursue. it takes a lot of hustle to do this
1: full time yeah well, and it's also hard to have social media as a comedian. Um, again, I watch a lot <laughs> because you can only really post crowd work because that's the impromptu sort of sets. Other, If you post your set, then everyone's seen it online and then they don't come to your shows, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So it's it's an interesting conundrum of like publicity to publish how funny you are. But at the same time, you're giving away all of your material so yeah. people don't necessarily come out and see it.
2: And I'm not usually even the headliner, you know. I have been a few times, but like it's, I love the like fifteen minute warm up. You know, I'm the, I'm the comedy fluffer. Like I just like I warm up the crowd, and and everybody enjoys, and I just sit back and enjoy the main show. You know, so.
1: The amount of sex-related words that we have incorporated into this episode has just been really astounding to me. Why did right?
2: you have to? Why did you have to say that, Ryan? People that because I know, want people know. to
1: be educated, and they can go figure out which word I am referring to right now, and they can go <laughs> learn about what what it means.
2: Fluffer is um, a handy word, so.
1: in many ways. Um, <laughs> So Karen, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast and giving us such joy and laughter and the smiles here um, at this time of year. Um, Do you have any final words for our listeners or advice for the OT practitioners or academics out there who listen to Dr. Thoughts um, as avidly as you do?
2: (laughs) I I think just incorporate your full self into your practice that people... And you don't, not everybody has to be funny. We need an audience too, but like whatever it is, who you are, you know, so, I see so many students like kind of code switching when they become a professional and that takes a lot out of you to like try and pretend to be this type of OT when that's not who you are and you come home and you get to be yourself. So like, you know, as much as we can, I think encouraging our colleagues and our students to, to bring their, their authentic selves to practice.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate how you show up authentically um, in the classroom and um, our work together through SSO, um, but just how you represent the, the profession and the discipline and, and it's, it's refreshing, honestly. So thank you for, for everything you've done and everything that you continue to do. And y'all, please, please go follow our elder millennial Karen <laughs> and if you are in Sonoma County go look her up and yeah. or you it. can
1: probably come to SSO and see uh you know uh, some some Karen comedy oh, we gotta plan fantasies. some of this yeah but
2: I, I am on Instagram and Twitter Karen McOT but you know it's it's not exciting I'm just mostly on it to follow you too just a, <laughs> just a creepy fan <laughs> I think I joined it. I think I joined Twitter because of the tweet up for SSO. Like, how did that get me into it? Yeah. Uh, well,
1: <laughs> You're just a nerd. You're really just a, a nerd <laughs> at heart. <laughs> <laughs> all right. right yeah. We'll see you all next time on Dr. Thoughts. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners who keep putting up with us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, y'all. Keep fighting. Thank you.